would like to just review Psalm 23 a little bit, and this will be our last message um, for Psalm 23, I believe. Uh, We thought it was going to be three messages, but it turned into, I think, ten messages. That's the way the Lord leads sometimes, and I don't know, it's just, um, it's hard for me to go through Scripture really fast, because it's so rich, and the more you dig, the more you find, and the more you find, the more you want to dig, and just, we're addicted to the Bible, right? There's like an addiction to the Word of God, and, and, um, and when we think of the Word of God, let's remember this. I think that sometimes this being, generally the United States is a Christian nation, we could say that, uh, generally people believe in God. Um, I think in this part of the United States, there is a, um, just a general sense of the Bible and a Christianity. People grew up in a Christian faith. But I think that what happens is, is that, that there are certain words and there are certain ceremonies and certain things that, that we grow up experiencing. And then when we go to a church, a new church, um, we bring that to the table, to the church. And we kind of listen to the Word of God through our filters that are already been set there, whether they are uh, legalistic filters, um, radical fil- filters, um, filters of bad experiences, filters of lack of trust. Um, and so we, when we come to the Word of God, we are really looking at this as the Word, not of a man. Um, I'm not here to preach my own opinion. I'm sure you wouldn't be interested in that. We're here really to hear the Word of God. And the Word of God really is God's mind. And when we read the Bible, we really need to have not just understanding the words that we're reading and not understanding, not just having a, a good translation we use here the New King James. There's a lot of great translations out there, but we, that's what we use, King James, New King James. Um, but we really need the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to, when we hear the words, allow the Holy Spirit to mix with what's being said a capacity of faith. So when we hear the word of God, we're like, oh, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. That's not possible. Like, you know, I don't even, you know, I can't even keep my life together during the week, let alone try to obey these Bible verses. Well, the Bible is not given to us for us to try to obey. The, the word of God is given to us to give us capacity, a, a, a container, the ability to hold something. And the word of God is called in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. One of, one of just my all-time favorite verses is that it's called the word of grace that is able to give us a capacity, Okay. If you've been to a church or if you've been to services where, where maybe the word of God is, is, is associated emotionally to you with something loud or maybe something unpredictable, um, the word of God is, is, is not that way. And I didn't prepare to say this, but when we talk about the fear of the Lord, there's two types of fear that we can see in the world. There's unpredictable fear and there's predictable fear. Unpredictable fear, fear is like, um, having a snake in the house, a poisonous snake in the house. You don't know where it is. And you don't know when it's going to show up and when it's going to bite. And that's a fear. That's a proper fear, but it's unpredictable. You don't know where it's going to be. You don't know when the snake is going to bite. And that is not the fear of the Lord. The Lord is predictable. The, the, the Lord is defined right here. And that's why we just need the Word of God every week. We need the, we need the Word of God like every day. And that's why we hear like in the book of Acts, it says they met daily. They met daily, uh, meeting together. And that's what we try to do here at Evergrace, to build each other up. The second kind of fear is predictable, and this is the fear that we hear about in the Bible. And this is the fear of the Lord. 
I look at it like this. When I lived in Ukraine, those years that we lived there, um, uh, Ukraine was part of the Soviet-Russian fold, and it, now it's not, and that's why there's a war there. And we would, we would, and main, the way, main type of transportation really was, um, was trains, really big, big trains. These trains were huge. These trains were larger than the ones that we have here in the States. The tracks are wider. The engines are just massive. And when we'd stand, my wife and I would stand at a train station um, in these old World War II train stations. I felt like when, when we lived there, we felt like we were living in a World War II movie. Everything was like black and white at the time. It felt like that. And the train would slowly, real slowly pull into the train station. And as it's pulling in, it's pulling like, like 70 cars, you know, like passenger cars and tons and, you know, lots of, lots of people. And they would slowly pull into the train station. And as it pulls into this train station, you, like from here to like maybe the parking lot and even a little bit farther, uh, you can feel like, you could feel the vibrations of the engine. You could just feel it on your chest. And it was like, you know, and even though we were standing on the, on the platform behind the yellow line, you know, they have that yellow line there. Even though we were behind that yellow line, we, stu- we just automatically just kind of like took a step back, you know. Not because we were afraid that the train's going to fall off the track. Not because we thought that the train was out of control. It was moving slow. It was only moving one direction and it wasn't going to fall to the right to the left. We just stepped back because of just, just the sheer power of the engine. And that's what it is with God. It's like, God's on one track. God's not going to be falling off the track. God's not going to be taking a side turn. He's not going to be doing something unpredictable and scary and, and moody or something dysfunctional in your life. God is predictable. And this is the God that we see in the Bible. And the Bible speaks to us. His words are powerful words. And for, for, for David, the psalmist in Psalm 23... The words of God were everything for him. And I think, that, I think that the Lord really is trying to do one thing in our life, not prove that we're terrible people. Uh, God's not trying to prove to you and I that we are not obedient, because that's already clear. The, the law of Moses was given to us to show to us that we, were un, that we were unable to keep the law. The Ten Commandments were given to us, not that we would try to reach the Ten Commandments and reach this platform of righteousness so that God could bless us, right? Oh, I got to work for favor from God because, so I got to, like, these are these 10 steps, right? We're human beings. We like, we like programs. I like programs. Give me a formula. Give me a program, right? Do this, then do this, and I can expect this, and then this. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. If you remember correctly, Israel was being led by God, being it was started by a man whose name was Abraham. He was not a Jew. Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Gentile from, from one of the great world culture centers of the world at the time, the Ur of the Chaldees. One of the largest, probably the largest city, the world, largest world culture of that day. God calls him out and says, I want to I give you a land and a city that's not built with hands. And so Abraham starts walking by faith because he heard from God. He heard a word from the Lord. He heard from God, Romans chapter 4. He heard it, and, we, and as he heard it, he said, okay, I choose to believe. And that's what faith is, by the way. I can tell I'm not going to get to the text here. That's, you know, that's all right, fine. <laughs> God wants to go this direction. You know what the word of the Lord is? You know what the word, word of God does in your life? It creates capacity. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And how do we hear? We can hear it audibly. We can meditate on it. We can repeat it. The word of the Lord 
it creates capacity. David here in Psalm 23 talks about a cup that's overflowing, and we talked about that last week. And we can review what we talked about last week next week, if that makes sense. But David here has a, a cup that's overflowing, and it's overflowing, but it's overflowing because David received a word from God. David received something that gave him capacity. Abraham had capacity in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, because God said to something to him. And, and, and Abraham chose to believe God. And that's what faith is. Faith is not an emotion. And let's just let, let's let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God redefine some cultural, religiously cultural words. We grew up in a religious culture. And when you say the word anointing, for some people, and I, I didn't really realize this until we moved to the Texas area, that for some people that word anointing could be associated with some crazy, um, a, a crazy service that is just out of control. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. And people say, well, that's anointed. That's anointed. That's not what an anointing is. When we say the word faith, faith is something that is, un, that it's, it's hearing the unseen word of God. Someone says something, maybe someone sends you a text or you open your Bible and you're reading. And by the way, this is really, we should have an open Bible in the house because the Bible is the basis of our faith. Not a denominational belief, not a non-denominational creed, but the word of God. And by the way, if I'm a pastor, I want to make myself accountable to you guys. If I ever get up here and I say something that's not biblically correct, I give you the permission to challenge me. Say, Pastor, I don't think that's in there. Can you explain that to me? Okay, you should do that. That's your Acts 17, verse 11. The church needs to keep the pastor accountable to the word of God. And if I ever get up here and talk about philosophy or psychology or politics or something that's not in the Bible, you just say, and you have that right to do that. It's Acts 17, verse 11. Paul said, we preached... And the Bereans, were no, they were more noble because they took what they heard and they went back to the Bible and they said they wanted to see if these things, are, these things are true. Abraham heard from God and he mixed faith with it. And that's what faith is. It's when I decide in my volitional, in my will, my free will, that I'm going to believe this. It does not mean emotions. We, we associate a faith with emotions. That's not what it is. Faith first is a decision. It's a decision to think with God about a certain topic. And by the way, do I know what God says about every topic? No. That's why we need Bible school. That's why we have classes. That's why we have midweek service. That's why we're meeting on Mondays and Saturdays. So we can sit down and somebody say, well, I, may, I know all of that already. Well, you know, Saturday I was sitting in here. I was sitting here. I, I, the class that being, is being um, shown is from... 32 years ago, and I remember the class. And I'm just listening to it, and I was talking to Pastor Adam with, afterwards. I said, this is so fresh. It's all so fresh to me. I think the devil wants us to think, well, we know all this stuff. It's the word of God. It's the word of grace that gives us a capacity to trust God in a circumstance. It's a word of promise. It's a word of comfort. Number one, it's a word of prom- promise. Romans chapter four. Abraham heard it, and he mixed faith with it. And it, what, what happened with Abraham? He was counted a righteous man. He was counted a righteous man because he chose to believe the word. I think when we hear something, we're, you know, we're looking at, we're hearing the word of God, we're hearing the promises of God. And by the way, the apostle Peter said, the promises of God, the word of God, is how we are partakers of the divine nature. Okay, that sounds pretty new age to me, doesn't it? Partakers of the divine. No, the Bible says that if I want to experience the nature of God in my life, if I want to have an operational day-to-day, moment-by-moment fellowship with God, what do I do? I just, make, I just believe the promises. 
And when I say that, say, you know what? I don't see the answer right now. I don't feel the answer. Everything, everything is saying, no, it's not that way. It's not that. And by the way, when you get saved, if you're newly saved here, don't freak out because when my dad got saved and a lot of us, when we got saved, everything started kind of like, wow, what a mess. Because God has to unravel everything to, re-wrap, to, to repack it. God has to unravel all of the old. He has to take out all the old thinking and the old thinking of the flesh and the old thinking of, of, of this achievement to get favor, God has to remove that. Because when he does that, we can start receiving a promise from God. By the promises of God, we are partakers of the divine nature of God. How do you hear from God in your life? I don't know. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Okay? But I've heard him, I've heard him speak as a still small voice in my heart through the word. Right? Still small voice. Remember Elijah? He was looking for a word from the Lord. Remember? He was, he was looking for a word from God, right? Elijah. He had, done this, he had seen this great miracle. He seen fire come down from heaven. He prayed a 20-second prayer, by the way. Fire comes down, and it just eats up the, the entire offering, and, and all the prophets of Baal, they all step back, and they wind up dead. And then five minutes later, Elijah gets a text message from, from, from Jezebel, and he's on the run. He's running 40 days and 40 nights. And he's like, I've got to, I've got to find a way to hear from God. I've got to have something sensational happen in my life so I can feel God in my life. And so he runs and he winds up, he winds up um, running to a place where there's a great earthquake. After the earthquake, he realizes God's not in the earthquake. Then there's a great fire. There's a great fire. And then he sees that God's not in the fire. Then there's a great windstorm. And it's unbelievable. Have you ever been in a windstorm? I was talking to somebody who lives right over here. Wednesday night, he said, I was here. it was my property in Mauston Manor over here that the tornado landed on. And he said, I was feared for my life. He was here with us. His name is John. He's from Korea. He was here Wednesday night with us. God wasn't in it. Because God's not necessarily in the big stuff, right? Amen? Amen, Pat? Like, God's not in the big stuff. I, this is a thing that we as husbands have problems with, okay? We're thinking like, you know, if I get my wife a huge rock, you know, She's going to love that. Maybe she will. But I think for our wives, and my wife can correct me if I'm wrong, I think for our I'm 30, married 30 years, coming up to my 30th year, and that's really amazing. I can't even believe it because um, she's getting all the, the, the awards in heaven. But you know what women, what wives really, do, really what, they, what they really treasure is really the, um, uh, the meaningful small thing. The meaningful small thing. The small thing. Somebody said this last week to me. They said, they said uh, some of the greatest aspects of God's creation are in places in the world that we can't access, that we can't even see, like the bottom of the ocean, right? There's creatures down there that we're still, that we are still, in, that we're still discovering. The Word of God. The Word of God is not some big thing that we're looking for like, like, like Elijah's, but then when he's by himself and he's depressed and he wants to kill himself, he's a suicidal preacher. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't sound good. And then what does God do? God shows up and he's just exhausted. He's running, he's out of energy. He's on his way to the mountain because he wants to hear God speak. And, and God's like, what are you doing here? I love that. You know, 40 days of just chaos and emotional wreck. And he's like, what are you doing here? You ever have God say that to you? I have. Like, what are you doing here? Well, you know, this is the thing. And then uh, this is my whole case. And, 
And then what happens? God speaks to us. He gives us a word in season. We call that rhema, one of my favorite words in the Greek. And that means there's two words in the Greek language for the word word. Logos, which is the written word of God, this. Jesus Christ is the logos of God, John chapter 1. And there's the rhema. Rhema is, the, is when we take the promises of God right here and we allow the Holy Spirit to say, that's what it means in your heart today, right now. Like I could be speaking or anybody could be speaking up here and they could just be reading John 3.16 and the Holy Spirit could be saying to you, that's what I want you to understand right now in your heart right now, this moment. And you're like, whoa. You ever have that aha moment? That's what a rhema is. It's when the Holy Spirit says something to you and you can't even necessarily explain it to anybody and you try to do that and you're like, nobody understands. Like, oh, that's great, you know? But a rhema is something that's for you and for you alone. It's something, it's something that's from God because a word of God Matthew chapter 4. Number one, it's the word of faith. Number two, it's the word of grace. Acts 20 verse 32. It gives us a capacity for life. Man, are we living in a world, I mean, I was thinking last weekend, we're living in a world that just people have no capacity to cope. I've been there. I know what it feels like. You know, a lot of you know that we lived in Ukraine, that we traveled there a lot. And I'm on the phone almost every day with with our Ukrainian churches over there talking with them praying with them. And, uh, I mean, you know, unless you've been in a war, people shooting at you or, or sirens going off, you may not understand what I'm talking about. But there's this level of destruction that happens in a soul during a war. And when that happens, um, it's really, I have a friend, he's a, he's a veteran, and a um, veteran of a foreign war. Amazing, amazing guy. Uh, extremely loyal, incredible guy. Lives in Spring. Good friend of ours. And he says, he said to me, he said, my life here in the States, like when you think about my life in the States and my, my time overseas in the war, you would think that this would be the norm here, right? This would be like, you know, this would be normal, this life in the States. And he goes, no, this is not the norm here for me. He goes, this is a fantasy. For me, the norm is overseas. <laughs> in the wreck of war, right? And you know something, the word of grace. And then you know what happens is that there are things that you and I go through. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you went through some horrible physical pain that nobody could ever know. Maybe you're going through, maybe you went through some personal failure that nobody in the, no, in the room knows about, but it gnaws on you every day. And that wants to take away our capacity. It wants to take away our ability It wants to take away our ability to trust God, to get up in the morning and face the day and make decisions. And we can't do that because something happens. We're we're wounded in our soul. And what happens is this, is that God wants to give you a word of grace in Acts 20, verse 32. It's a word of capacity. Are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with, I mean, we're all, every one of us in this room are struggling with something. And we're not here to preach today a type of Christianity where like, unless you're, you know, like, we're not here to preach like, hey, look, if you're not, if you've got a problem in your life, you're not spiritual. Well, if you don't have a problem in your life, you may not be a human being living in a normal, in a normal broken world. And none of us in this room are perfect, including myself. And there's, you know, like none of us are qualified to even stand in the presence of God, but we're qualified because the word of grace says to us, when you were yet sinners, Romans chapter five, Christ died for us. Amen. Why we were yet, we can say amen in here okay you can get up there we go pat's gonna get going back there amen right why we were yet without strength we were christ died for us amen Elaine. 
right? My African brother back there. When we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. What worst case scenario can there be for God not to love me, right? We met, I told you about the sniper that we met in, in, in Serbia. And he was like, he was a Serbian, Bosnian Serb, and he was a sniper. He was overseeing a unit of 12 men. All of his men died during the war, the Bosnian-Herzegovina um, War, um, Serbian War. And, and he, was, he was disabled. And he said to me, we went to share the gospel with him. And he said, I'm a bad man. I've done bad things. And like, he, he begins to tell us everything. And I, and I thought, what are we going to say to this guy? You know, like, then the Lord spoke to me. He said, tell him about the life of, of Paul. The apostle writes a good portion of the New Testament. A murderer of Christians, and yet God gives him grace. And he's a preacher. And today we're preaching his message, the gospel. So I shared that gospel with him. And he was astounded. He was like, how can a God like that be? And he received Christ. Why? Because it's the word of grace. The word of God builds us up. And you know something? We don't have capacity for so much that we're going through. We don't have capacity. We wake up in the morning. I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes the pressure on my chest, I can't even breathe, right? Sometimes, like, the pre- we wake up in the morning and maybe the sadness of an of a, of a untimely relationship that has ended. I don't know. Maybe the future doesn't look great. Or maybe you've been betrayed. And that sits on us, the sadness, even before we wake up or fully... And you know what we need to say? God, I need a word of grace for this moment. I need a word of grace. I need a word of promise, like, like Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4. And number two, I need a word of grace. This is also a word of faith. You know, I just want to maybe wrap up this little message here. It's a word of faith. It's a word of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We don't have capacity this life and I began saying something earlier and I didn't finish it I was thinking last week about just how people can't cope how we can't cope in the system that we live in we live in a system that we created that we can't function under you ever have in your house so much order and so much and I kind of grew up in this way but there's so much order in the house and there's just everything is perfect so many rules and so many regulations and then and then the people that make the rules and regulations can't even obey them and they fail under and they just you know like I can't I want the house perfect but I can't keep the house perfect and then we what happens to us we just I don't know what we do we just we live in guilt or you know it's funny when there's pressure in your life when there's tragedy when there's difficulty what do you what do you automatically do I know some of us would just go clean our house right that's kind of what I would do just okay I'm gonna clean the house you know <laughs> or we just go we just run off and we escape, or we blame people. When we're under pressure, we don't need a word of condemnation. We don't need the word that comes and, 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 and nails us to the wall because we already understand that we are sinners, that we are, we are, un, that, that we are unable. And you know what's something? And, and when God gave the law, he didn't give us the law so that we would try to fulfill it. He gave it to us to say, look, Romans chapter 10, you are a sinner, <laughs> and you can't, you can't meet that. You can't meet that that standard in your life and guess what it's okay to say i'm a sinner lord i'm a sinner i'm a wreck romans chapter 7 woe is me a sinner who shall rescue me from this wreck and what does the lord what does it say in romans chapter 8 verse 1 there's no condemnation and that's so hard for us because we're so religious i mean you know you may not even have grown up a religious person but you have a lot of laws in your heart and your mind that are cultural that may have come from your family that's why we need a word of faith. We need a word of faith that comes from the word of God 
And this word of faith is a word of faith that when it's, when it's spoken to us, we have capacity. And somehow we say, you know what? I needed to hear that. And we can walk out the door. And guess what? The word of faith, the word of promise, and the word of grace is like manna. It doesn't last for 48 hours. It doesn't last for two weeks. It lasts usually for about 24 hours and maybe just a few hours. And why do I say that? Because in Matthew chapter 4, when the Israelites were in the desert, and this is Deuteronomy chapter 8 as well, they're in the desert, right? And what did God feed them every day? Manna, right? Manna was like the Hebrew word for what is that? We have no, we have no way to describe what that is. And every day they would wake up and they would have to go out and gather this bread that had come down like dew on the grass and they would eat it and if they waited too long it would spoil and it would go away and they couldn't keep it they couldn't make a manna cake and then have leftovers the next day it would spoil and that's the way it is with the word of god it needs to be fresh we need a fresh word from the lord amen i need to hear from the lord every day you know i come here monday i come here i'm gonna come to this building and thank god for this building that we can rent this place i come here i'm like god (laughs) i I really need to hear something more than I need to say something. And when I just sit down and talk with you guys or have a rap session with Pastor Adam or with one of these guys in the back, I always walk away like filled, don't you? Like walk out and say, you know what? I don't know what that was. That was manna. I don't know what to call it, but it was a rhema. And it gave me hope. And it, it told me the mind of God in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. That God is not out for my demise. That's, that's Satan's work. God is not out to destroy you. God is not out to... To, to punish you so much that there's, there's no more sense of dignity or sense of hope in your life. God is here to speak to us a word in season, and this is a word of faith. And you know what? When we hear the word of God from somebody that's walking by faith, you know, maybe you're here today and you just barely got here, right? You just barely got here. Just like, and you know what? You're, there's so much power in your life. Maybe you just got here and there's so much unbelief in your life, right? And you come here by faith, gather together you show up you come to the you come to the throne of grace by faith and what happens there's so much power that's just emanating from your life and somebody says man you're amazing and you're like what are you talking about <laughs> i just got here by faith you know that's a word of faith you know i remember growing up in a, i went to a bible school um in massachusetts and in, in maryland one year in maryland and i remember going to this bible school and just meeting missionaries that came back home and I just remember these people had no money, but they had this all they had just so much energy for the people to serve the people that God had called them to. They were learning languages, supernatural it was just unbelievable. And they were living by faith. And the fruit of their life was so incredible. And I remember this one Indi- missionary that came from India, and he came and spoke. And he just shared with us he just read a psalm. And it was so powerful. Why? Because this guy walked by faith when there's nothing by sight in his life in obedience to the Great Commission. And what happened? It translates into his life as an anointing, as a power. When you and I allow our minds, and this is what we said last week, when we allow our minds to be separated from all the chaos in the world and the chaos of our own soul and the chaos of our our, our experiences, when we allow the Word of God to separate it, when we allow the Word of God to start, when we start meditating on the Word and we start thinking about it and we start we start not for memorizing or for memorization's sake, but just allowing it to go deep into our hearts. When that happens, you know what happens? It begins to change our decisions. It begins to change the way we think. We start thinking differently. And guess what? Like we said last week, God can only anoint something that's been set apart for him. 
And when we allow the word of God in John chapter 17 to set apart our minds, to think with God, then what happens is, is that there's an anointing in our life. And when there's an anointing in your life and you're functioning in your anointing, and we're going to say that, we were going to say this today, but the sheep needed to be anointed because if they weren't anointed, anointed during the fly season, these flies would come in and go up their noses and they would be frantic and they could not rest and they couldn't lay down after they eat. But when the anointing was put on their nose and on their head, they could relax. And, and the writer here, Philip Keller, who wrote the book on the book of Psalm, uh, Psalm t- chapter 23, he writes that the sheep were transformed. The anointing will transform your life. The anointing will transform your life. The anointing, when you allow, when you take the word of God, and we said this last week, take the word of God, allow it to, allow it to dwell in your hearts richly, Colossians chapter 3. And we allow it to dwell in our hearts richly. Instead of thinking about all of the fears and the things that we're going through, start to meditate on the promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have called you by, by, I, by I've called you by my name. Forget the former days, he said, he said uh, the prophet Isaiah said. Forget the former days. Look forward. Look forward. In, in closing, it's a, it's a word of faith that gives us capacity to cope with the life we live in, but it's also a word that is a word of rhema, and that's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and it says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know what we need today? We don't need more alcohol. We don't need more drugs. We don't need more relationships. We don't need any more addictions in our life, but that's not going to fulfill us. It's not going to fulfill us. It's going to make us hungry for more and hungrier for more. And it's going to make us more and more disappointed. It's going to make more, us more and more uh, disillusioned. And it's going to make us more and more cynical. What we need is a word from the Lord, a rhema, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's proceeding from the mouth of God. That's the present tense. God's always speaking. I don't know. Maybe you're out there working. Maybe Elaine's out there working in the field. He's working over here. And you're just like, Lord, I, I call out to the God of the stars. I call out to you, Lord, speak to me. I need a word in season. And when you pray a prayer like that, God's going to speak to you. Amen. God's going to answer that prayer. Maybe you're in a state of desperation. And I understand it's hard. You say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. When the Lord speaks to us, like that song we sang a hundred billion times, right? The Lord speaks to us. And we're okay. We're okay. Somebody came in Wednesday night and said, I just need to hear a word from the Lord. and I'll be okay. And that's the way it is with all of us, right? Amen. If we can just hear a word from the Lord, and the Lord says to us, you're okay, because you're, you have my righteousness, you have my blood upon you, and you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. That's a word from the Lord. And we live with a word of rhema, then we have a capacity for life. And guess what happens? Things begin to happen in your life that never could have ever happened before, because God is the God of his word. In the beginning was the word, all right? John chapter 1. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and the worlds were. Isaiah, uh, Psalm 51, David said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And that word that he uses in the Greek, I mean in the Hebrew, is bara, which is the same word that's used in the Genesis chapter 1 to create something that wasn't there before. God can speak to our hearts and create patience that wasn't there before. He can create conviction that's in our heart that wasn't there before. He can create joy in our heart that wasn't there before. He can create peace and love and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit that wasn't there because it was the Word of God. And it says in the book of Hebrews that the Lord, the, that the Lord keeps this universe together by the Word of His power. Application? Let's be in the Bible. Let's, let's have this open. So you know what? I don't, you know, I remember 
I got some really disappointing news. I was very, 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 very disappointed years ago. And I was at a missions conference. And I was so disappointed. I was angry at God, angry at everybody. And all I could do during the service was just have my Bible open and just read the Bible and just read. And, you know, and I just, okay, if I just read this, I'm going to be okay. And after an hour, I was okay. The Word of God is going to set us straight. It's going to fix us. It's a word that heals us. My mom wrote that to me. I, I wish you guys could have met my mom. She was an amazing woman of God. I, I like to say she still is an amazing woman of God because she didn't cease to exist. And she gave me this ring, which is a family ring from Denmark in the 18, uh, late 1800s when, when a Danish relative came over. And I got this ring when I was 13. And she wrote on the inside of the ring a verse. And it says that God sent his word into the land. And what did he do with the word? Healed them all. The word of God heals us. It's a word of healing. So that's five. That's five points right there in the spontaneous mes- message. It's a word of healing. God can heal us. God can heal us, and he will heal us. Let him speak to you. Let him speak to you. We've got to get quiet, and we've got we to turn off the phone. We've got to go for a walk. We've got to go to the ranch. We've got to go wherever we've got to go. Get in our car and take a ride in some of these back roads here in Magnolia and just say, Lord, you've got to speak to me. You've got to speak to me, because if you don't speak to me, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Amen? The word of God, the word of God is quick and is powerful and separates the soul and the spirit, dividing asunder that thing which is soulish and selfish and self-aware, dividing and bringing into, bringing, into, uh, bringing into awareness and focus that which is spiritual. Think with God in the Word. Be in the Word. Love the Word. Uh, value the Word. Lift it up, and it will crown you. It will crown you with righteousness, and it will bless all of your decisions. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.